Canoners, it's me, uh, Nick Willard, coming at you live from the the pod crypt. I just had to troubleshoot some crazy ass shit. I think I got this figured out, and I am recording on my own. Well, with my wife Hi, in the everyone. basement. I'm filling in for Ben. We uh. We had some major complications last week, or two weeks ago now, when uh, those those pesky CIA agents, they dropped that, that virus in our computer and it fried everything, so I figured we might as well get something out. So let's do it. What are we talking about today? Do you know? Do you know what we're talking about? Mm-hmm. These microphones. I don't know if I like them. Lost Treasure? Yeah, that's right. Lost Treasure. So we've been watching this this show on Disney Plus. It's uh it's um this national treasure show. So I wanted to go over some some national lost treasures this week. And I love it. If you haven't watched it, you should. It's a must watch. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. But that could just be because I like Lost Treasure. Yeah, but I'm not that much into Lost Treasure like I am now because I'm married to you, but I love that show. And I get excited each week when it comes on. Alright, so you might hear some some thumps and some bumps and some whooshes and gushes, but uh, there's not much I can do about that. Um, so, let's get into it. This first one I wanted to talk about is Jesse James's Lost Treasure. Do you know who Jesse James is? No. <laughs> All right, Jesse James, he was an outlaw from, like, uh, you know, the mid-1800s. Big-time outlaw. Robbed a lot of a lot of banks and a lot of, I don't know, maybe some, some union stagecoaches, and he collected a lot of loot over his, over his, his years of, of banditing and, um, so I, ju- I just wrote some stuff, and I'm just going to read what I wrote pretty much so we can get through this. You ready? I'm ready. All right. He left that treasure behind in the Wichita's and has never been seen again. So that's a quote that's often attributed to just this treasure Jesse James left behind. Um, it's referring to the, the this mountain range where we'll, we'll get into it, where he, where they, him and his, his gang, the the... The James Younger gang, they, they they had to camp out, you know. They got, they got driven into the mountains after they robbed this, I think it was like a bank or something, and, and they got stuck in the mountains, and they had to deposit their loot somewhere. So let's I'll keep reading here. Um, These words have been whispered by the old-timers of, of 
Comanche County, Oklahoma for around 150 years now. They say signs and symbols carved into the surrounding land will point the way to Jesse James's stashed loot, if you can interpret them. So he would have left like, uh, like weird signs and symbols carved into rocks or trees behind. I know, I know, I think it was like episode two or three, we covered the uh, lost Confederate gold and we got into um, the Knights of the Golden Circle. So, so James would have been a part of that gang. Um, or that group and they they like to use like encoded symbols to to hide their their stashes so Jesse would have used these these symbols you know so that only he could find where where he left the gold or him and his gang so Jesse James his brother Frank and their close friend Cole Younger they were like the master masterminds behind this James Younger gang they're, they're obviously more in the gang, but they were they were the top dogs. Uh, the James Younger gang, they, they robbed like bank after bank throughout the southern Midwest. Um, and they even went, went like south into Mexico. And after hitting a Mexican transport, uh, after hitting this, this transport, they, they had to go, uh, as they were making their escape, they got driven into the Wichita Mountains, and it, you know, the winter, it was winter, it was like late winter, I think, something like March, maybe, I think, it was either late February, uh, maybe early March, so it was still, like, really snowy, and they got, they got, like, snowed in the mountains, um, so they would decide to deposit their, their loot in this area where they had to camp. Um, apparently, supposedly, as, as the legend goes, they left behind a map that was carved into the bottom of a large flat rock. And then Jesse, he, he, he shot, you know, he blazed this tree. So he shot it three times with his 45 caliber, um, revolver to kind of mark the spot where they, where the treasure was. And then apparently on on a brass bucket they did something with a brass bucket they left some clues behind so they like carved i think they like carved all their names into this bucket and then left a couple clues and i'm not sure where they left the bucket but it must have been somewhere around around the area um so portions of the this jesse james treasure it's been found i think i think jesse's older brother frank even went back and looked for some um, after he had gotten out of jail, but the majority of it is still out there somewhere, and there's plenty of people who are still looking for it. So that, that that's our first treasure I wanted to, I wanted to talk about. How much was the treasure? It was like two million in gold. Something like that. Yeah, it was it was a lot. I mean, I don't really think anyone really knows exactly how much it was, but it's definitely a lot. Um. The next one I wanted I I got here. Let's see. It's a little little fanciful, um, but let's talk about the Holy Grail in America. So like the Holy Grail, the cup that Jesus drank from on the Last Supper, the cup that caught his blood when he was stabbed on the cross. This Holy Grail is a big thing. You know, like in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, they. The Grail. Um, if you drink from the Grail, you 
you can live forever so it's a big it's a big treasure a lot of people have been trying to find it some you know big relic religious relic um so I'll, i'll just get into it on friday the 13th 1312 king philip the fair of france declared war against the templar knights these knights had protected pilgrims as they traveled um you know, from Europe to Jerusalem, which was in the Holy Lands during, like, the the Crusades. So these knights, they had got their name from setting up, sh- like, their base, their base of operations on the Temple Mount, which was, the Temple Mount was, like, uh, it was kind of like the foundation of King Solomon's temple. Um, it was, like, this big, I don't want to get get into it, really. We could do a whole episode on this, and we probably will. It was like this huge temple that housed the Ark of the Covenant way back in, uh, way, way, way back before Christ. And it was like, it was demolished by several different peoples. I think the Romans and so they, they rebuilt it a couple times and it was demolished every time. And you, you can go to the Temple Mount today. It's there. Um, it wasn't there during the Crusades. It was obviously probably pretty much what it looks like today but these Templar Knights they set up shop there um let's see so is this the cup that said that it could like heal somebody yeah I mean nobody really knows what it can do it's just like a theory because Jesus drank from it so like everybody wants it because they think that they can like get a power from it technically yeah it's supposed to have magic to it okay um and sorry, one more question. Yeah. Do we know what city this was hidden in? Um no, they don't. Nobody no, it's kind of like a mystery, you know. Uh people think they they figured it out, but nobody actually really knows where it is. Um we'll we'll get into it. we'll get into it. So, supposedly these Templar knights while they're on top of the mount, they're excavating underneath it. And while they're digging underneath the mount, they find, you know, these holy, these, these, these relics that, that were hidden long ago. So, like, the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy Grail, they supposedly find these items under, you know, buried, hidden underneath the mount. They take them, they bring them back to Europe, and they're kind of, like, safeguarding them. They don't tell, obviously, they don't tell anyone, because this is all theoried, um... So nobody truly knows if this really happened, but this is a theory. So they they bring these items back with them. They keep them safe. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much where the story kind of begins. So um, while while the knights themselves were poor, the knights Templar as a whole they became very rich and powerful. A lot of think it's because of the they had found these holy relics. Um, they're even credited with with devising the first transcontinental banking system. So they would, you'd be able to deposit your money in France. They'd give you a receipt, and when you got to the Holy Land, you'd you'd give you know a temp, one of the knights your receipt, and they would give you your money. So the money that you deposited back in Europe, it's kind of like the first banking system um it's also said that the knights so yeah it's i 
we just went over this. Um, I don't really want to go over it again, but so that they found these these ancient, powerful, holy relics beneath the mount. Um, and so King Philip, he put them to the sword over this, over the wealth and and these powerful items they supposedly had on Friday the 13th. So many of these Templars, they were arrested and they were killed, burned at the stake. However, some of them who were tipped off at the last minute, they all boarded like the Templar fleet. So they had their own fleet of ships. They would have got on these, these ships and sailed to Scotland, supposedly, where they were welcomed by this guy named Henry Sinclair. He was Earl of Orkney and like Lord High Admiral of Scotland. So he's, he, was, he wasn't king, but he was he was... He was up there. Um, and so this is where the legend really begins about how the Holy Grail could have ended up in America. Um, it's thought that in 1398, Henry Sinclair sailed across the Atlantic, leading a party of Templar knights to a land where they would be free from, you know, like religious persecution. Uh, these knights supposedly possessed the Holy Grail and they hid it in America somewhere. And that's pretty much the story. It's not, you know, not much is known. Um, a lot of people have done some crazy research. They think they figured it out, but, you know, no one's ever found it. No one's really ever found any evidence. There is some... Um, there is some evidence in and around, most, you know, on the eastern seaboard here of Templars maybe coming to the area, or at least pre-Columbian Europeans, other than, than the Vikings. And I would say some of them are, you know, I want to believe it, but there's really no evidence that, that any of this happened. But it would be cool. Yeah, but imagine finding that and, like, seeing if it really does heal your wounds. Right? I mean, that's kind of what the whole thing of uh, Oak Island, that TV show I watched. Yeah. That's kind of what the whole thing is. So they think, uh, think their main theory is that, that the Templars, they, when they sailed over, they dug the pit that they're digging in Oak Island, and they hid the grail there. That's kind of what, at least that was their, their first theory. You know? That was the treasure that they were digging for there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, one of them, I mean, it's one of the theories. It's, I think it's like their strongest theory. Because a lot of other people said that it was found in the, uh, I don't know how to say it, it's like the... Valencia Cathedral. Is that like a building? I don't. I don't know where that is. Not sure. I've never heard of that. I know. I know. Um, there's a place in in Ethiopia where they supposedly have the Ark of the Covenant, but no one's ever been in in there to see it. But they swear that they have it. Um, It'd just be pretty to have, even <laughs> if it doesn't do anything. I know. I mean, in in the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the Ark of the, uh, the Holy Grail is just like a, it's like a wooden cup. It's the cup of a, you know, Jesus was a carpenter. He wasn't like this big rich guy. Right. It's just a plain old wooden cup. So, and and like I said earlier, I don't want to get too deep into these these subjects because we can do whole episodes on these. I just want to go over them really quick in honor of this this uh. What, what, what is it called? The TV show? National Treasure. Yeah. National Treasure. In honor of National Treasure and uh, Outer Banks, season three coming out. Yes. I know. I'm pretty pumped for that. That was a good one. 
that involves lost treasure. You know, I was I was iffy on it at first. I, I just thought it was gonna be another like teenage punk drama or something, but it's pretty cool. I mean, they find treasure. It's the whole point of the show. Um, it's also like that um that movie that we watch isn't it based off a video game where they find treasure? What movie? Uncharted. Yeah, that one. That one's good. Yep, that, that's my favorite video game. Um, let's see. So this next one I got, and I just took a handful of different, different lost treasures. Uh, there's, there's dozens of them supposedly. Do we know of any in Vermont? I know of a couple. We'll have to add that to our bucket list. I'd like to. Um. So this next one is his, this guy. His name's it's a Dutch Schultz hidden stash. So this Dutch Schultz guy, he's got a funky last name. He was, uh, well, in 1930, after successfully winning a case against him for tax fraud, uh, this would, in you know, prohibition, he was a prohibition era gangster. In, uh, so he was like a bootlegger. So he was like running and selling alcohol back when alcohol was illegal. Uh, this Dutch Schultz guy, he was said to have buried a stash of loot worth somewhere around $100 million in the Catskills of upstate New York, just in case he, he was ever arrested and he had to get like uh, bailed out of jail. So he's supposed to be buried $100 million up in the woods there. Um, the stash is said to be... I don't, I don't know how anyone would know this, but I guess from what you know type of business he was in, they said the stash is most likely made up of like... so. So, like, cash, bills, dollar bills from the 1930s, which would be worth a hell of a lot more now. You know, just, like, gold, jewelry, and bank bonds. That was big back back then, these bank bonds. Um, so, yeah, so he collected all this, and he, he buried it all in the purpose of bailing himself out of jail in case this, this state's attorney general, the, the New York state's attorney general, was able to successfully pin something on him. Cause that's how they brought down Al Capone. He was like this big gangster. They couldn't touch him on anything, but they got him on tax fraud, and they were able to put him in jail for, you know, he died in jail, I think. Um, so D And Dutch Solch himself, he was gunned down in 1935, and just before he died, he told cops, th this is a quote, they quoted him as, don't let Satan draw you too fast. I don't see how you could figure anything out from that, but it was supposedly... Like a, a secret code in in that sentence. I don't I don't, I don't get anything out of it. Um, so yeah, this quote was was thought by researchers and treasure hunters alike to be a reference to a small town in the Catskills called Phoenicia, is a place where Dutch was known to frequent, and a place where uh, a large boulder known as the Devil's Tombstone was located. So apparently they put two two, two and two together and figured this out. Um, so the stash of money has never been found and it's, it's widely considered to be f real there somewhere. I know I've seen, you know, TV shows, read articles, you know, there's people hot on the trail supposedly, but to this day, no one's, no one's found it. Um, then I got this, this lost Dutchman's mine. This one's cool. This one's fun. Um, in the mid-1800s, 
a Dutch prospector. So this guy would have been German. Um, his name was Jacob Waltz. He stumbled across a very rich vein of gold somewhere in the superstitious mountains of Arizona. Um, and while, while he was alive, he never told anyone about his find, but he had become known around town to pay for everything in, in either gold nuggets or gold dust. So they're always, they're always trying to like, always, where's, where's this guy getting all this gold from, you know? Uh, in 19, or 1981, in 1881, a flood washed over much of lower, the lower Phoenix area. So this would have been like Phoenix, Arizona. It's definitely not what it, what it looks like today. But in the lower areas, um, I would believe, uh, I didn't get the river, but I'm, I, I would imagine it would be the Colorado probably. It's a major river in the area. I don't know. I'm just pulling that out of my ass completely. I don't know what, what river it is. Um, so, yeah, this flood, it washes through the area. It washes, pretty much washes Jacob's home away. And he ends up, um, he ends up getting pneumonia, apparently, from this, from being in this flood. And Jacob Waltz, he would die in, in late October of that year after being nursed by his neighbor, Julia Thomas. This this Julia girl, she would go on to say that on his deathbed, Jacob would tell her about an abandoned mine full of both tapped and untapped gold ore. So, so someone had been there previously, before him, working the mine. Uh, Jacob would draw a crude map for Julia, but he would he would pass before actually telling her how to find the mine. So to answer your question, um, I looked it up really quick because I didn't know either. Um, the river is the San Gabriel River, is the river that they saw. Um, that flooded? Jacob Walls working oh, by. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it wouldn't have been the the, uh, the Colorado River. That goes through the Grand Canyon, so. Um, so... As treasure hunters, they, they fell upon the superstitions. It would be theorized that Wal Jacob Waltz's lost mine was actually the Peralta mine. It was The Peralta mine would have been a rich mine uh, found and worked by the Peralta family of Mexico. And legend has it that in the 1850s, the Peraltas, um, they were all massacred by Apache warriors who were angered by their presence on their land. They were all killed, so, you know, obviously the, the mine secret died with them. Uh, this mine, the Peralta mine, it would be forgotten. Um, obviously, the Peraltas, they never spoke of its location, other than leaving clues themselves as to where the, the mine was on these stones called the Peralta Stones. Uh, I think it's up in the air whether they're real or fake. Um... And, apparently, and I, I guess this mine, people believe that it could hold up to $40 million worth of gold. Wow. Yep. But that's a cool one. There's a lot of mysteries of, of a lot of people go there every year to this day looking for it. And a lot of them end up having their heads cut off. Yeah, so they go missing. A lot of them like, die in the search yeah. of the gold. Yeah, people missing. die all the time. And when they find the bodies, because, yeah, a lot of people go missing, and when they end up finding the bodies, they're missing their heads. 
I read something. It said that uh, the what is it? The Ap Apache. Oh, the Apache. The Apache believed in these mountains that lay a hole that led straight to hell. Yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of you know the Native American tribes throughout the the country. They all have these areas on their land. They're supposedly, like, cursed or something. So I and wonder yeah. if it's really, like, those people protecting the treasure. Right. And, like, you know, they pass it down generations and generations, and they're the ones that are cutting the heads or yeah. making I the think, people go missing, you know? I think that's, yeah, I think that's the main theory. Is that there's, like, a group of Apaches out there still who, who are protecting this mine. They don't want, you know, people to find it. Obviously, if people find it, you know... They're right. going to send more people in there. It's going to be overrun with people working this mine. Especially nowadays, though, they strip mine everything. They, you know, it's ugly. It's not a, it's not a fun process, especially for the land and people who love the land. Right. Um. So this next one I got. This I don't. I don't even really know why I added this one. It's kind of a just cool story, but it's most likely just a complete hoax that someone thought of. Thought it would be cool to create this story. Um, it's called the the Burroughs Cave Horde. So somewhere within the rocky hills of southern Illinois, near the town of, of Olney in Richland County, lies the Burroughs Cave. This mysterious cave was found by a man named Russell Burroughs in 1982 when he fell through a hole in the ground while searching for Civil War relics. So he was out metal detecting, looking for, like, belt buckles or you know, mini balls or whatever from the Civil War. And, I get, you know, he, he fell through this hole in the ground into this cave. Um, and he supposedly followed the cave, and it led him into this big, vast chamber that was just held a huge collection of, you know, like carved stones, gold, all this crazy stuff. And apparently there were 13 crypts. Um, but... This Russell Burroughs guy, he's never shared really anything from this cave. And what he has shared, it's pretty much all been proven to be fakes. Um, Was this in Illinois? Yeah. Yeah, so as evidence of this find, Burroughs shared several carved stone tablets, one of which depicted a Phoenician ship, leading to the theory that this cave was the resting place of some sort of Phoenician ex expedition. Most, if not all, of the items Russell Burroughs has, has released for public consumption have been deemed fakes. However, some of the clay tablets have been recognized as being real. So, I just know that, like, at least one or two of them have been, you know, looked over by people who know what they're talking about. And they apparently are real, but the majority of the things that he's, he's brought out are, you know, almost instantly proven to be fakes um so is this Burroughs cave is it real is it a hoax put on by a man who wanted his 15 minutes of fame we'll never know for sure as Russell Burroughs isn't sh sharing the cave's location however the Burroughs cave isn't the only place in America where supposed Phoenician artifacts have been found I know like Michigan is, is a big place where people supposedly have found uh Phoenician writing and carvings and in New Hampshire as well there's a place called um, well they have deemed it America's Stonehenge and it supposedly has Phoenician carvings all around it 
in Salem. It's a pretty far drive from here, but. Right. When we were, uh, when I was young, we went with the school by the Connecticut River. Did you ever see those? Those Indian carvings? Yeah. Yeah. Those are pretty cool. Yeah. That's kind yeah, of like like what it reminds me of. Alien heads, yeah. Yeah, I went there with my dad. He brought me there once. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that. My science teacher was, like, big into it. He was talking about it because he had us, like, test the rock to see, <laughs> you know. I know a couple of years ago they found matching ones in Brattleboro under the water. That matched those ones? Yeah. That are, wow, Yeah, they're that's almost cool. the same thing. But they're under the water. Let's go scuba diving. Right. I wish. <laughs> I'm too scared to go scuba diving. I've heard some big fish tails in the Connecticut, and I'm not going in there. In there. Nothing scarier than your dad, right? Yeah. <laughs> I had a substitute teacher who was a scuba diver, and he said underneath the, the old toll bridge, the bridge that goes from Springfield to Charlestown, there's like, so the bridge is on the sides, and then it, there's like a giant crevice, and he says there's fish down there that are bigger than him, and scared the shit out of him. He'd never go there again quick side story when I was um I don't know I must have been like 12 I was fishing with my little cousins I had a little kid scooby-doo pole the Connecticut River I caught a big eel and I was with my aunt and my little cousins they were all smaller than me we had no idea what it was (laughs) we were all freaked out and the uh the guy next to me he came running over and helped us get it off the hook because he was like, oh, that's an eel. Like, and I never wanted to go swimming there again. Yeah, no, <laughs> It I was don't. huge. I don't think I've ever caught an eel out of there. Yep. But I have seen them. Yeah, it was big and it was gross. And my mom's always told me stories about, you know, when they'd bring the boat out, they would have the tube on the back. And if they would fall off, they would swim so fucking fast back to the boat because they were so scared of all the big fish in there. Mm. I swam across Connecticut once and it was not fun. I swam across and then had to swim back. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was really, when you get about half, you know, halfway out there, it gets real scary. Well, when you're a kid, you don't think about anything like that. And now that we're adults and we have children, we're like, oh, right? man. I know. I would never <laughs> let my kid do that, our kid do that. Um, I think this is the last one here. It's called uh, the Victorio Cave Treasure. Um, in November of 1937, Milton Doc Noss, he's got a cool name, and four others, they were on a hunting trip within the, the Hembrillo Basin of uh, Donna Anna County, New Mexico. So, I don't know, you don't have to look that up or anything, but it it's just in New Mexico somewhere. Um... One day during the trip, it had started to rain. So Doc, you know, he, he wanted to get out of the rain. He, he um, so he got underneath this rock overhang on this on Victoria. It's this this mountain is called Victoria Peak. It's not really a mountain. You can look look up a picture of it. It's fucking yeah, weird looking. It's weird. It's like I don't even know how to describe it. It's almost just like some. I know it's, it, they call it a mountain, but it's it, definitely not a mountain. It's only five hundred feet tall. It just, just looks like, like a bunch of rocks, rocks. Yeah, yeah, stacked together into a giant... I feel like the rock at, like, Wellwoods and Springfield right. is bigger than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so it's it's a funky-looking mountain. Uh, he got over this this rock overhang, and he, he's looking, waiting, you know, he's sitting there waiting for the rain to stop, and he looks over, and he sees this, this one rock that looks like um, it had been, you know, someone had carved it or chiseled away at it, that it had been worked by um human hands 
So he began digging in and around the sand where this rock was, and he was soon able to move it out of the way. And behind this work stone was a passage that led deep inside the mountain. Doc instantly knew this was some sort of mine shaft due to the, the walls of the passage had been hand cut. And a, apparently there was a wooden beam that looked looked like it had would uh, support the cave somehow. So he would return with his wife. He would go get his wife. His wife was with him. His wife was at camp. He would go get her. He would bring her back to the spot. And um, he would descend into the shaft about for about 160 feet where he would come across several smaller chambers, chambers that were chiseled into the surrounding rock. So these were like man-made chambers. Um, and apparently they were covered in cave paintings. I didn't really, I didn't look too deep into what kind of paintings they were. Um, but he, he saw that and he was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. And then he kept going. I think that was like at a hundred and f- like, I don't know. It wasn't at a, the full 160 feet. It was, it was more f- further up. Um, he would reach the main chamber where he counted. I'm just going to read. This, is, this, is, this story is really cool. This is a cool story. I'm just going to go through it really quick, and we'll get into it at some time in the future. But so he would get into this cave, and he'd be looking around, and he just has, you know, this shitty flashlight. It's like, what, the 1930s, I think I said? Um, he's got this crappy flashlight, and he's shining it around, and he sees... He counts 27 skeletons, each kneeling in place, and they were bound by... They had their arms bound behind them with a length of rope, and they were staked to the cave floor. So that's weird. Um, and as he would... As he continued to look around, Doc stumbled across a horde of treasure and valuable antique items. These would be items like old saddles, coins jewelry even a gold statue of the virgin mary was reported he would also say he found a stack of letters uh and he looked you know he flipped through the letters and the earliest dated back to the 1880s um further back in the cave doc found uh, these stacks and stacks of what he thought were iron bars just piled up against the the back wall of the cave he would end up filling his pockets with, with whatever he could and returned back to his wife. Um, and then apparently later that day, he would go back down. He would, he would sort through these, these iron bars and he would drag one back to the surface. And as he's dragging it back to the surface, it, you know, the, the rock around him scratched away at what looked to be iron. And it turned out that these bars were just solid gold. Um. So yeah, that's that's crazy. That's a little bit of that, and then so they discovered that it was these these stacks of of bars. They weren't iron; they were all gold. Doc would also he would also bring other items to the surface, like uh, jewel encrusted swords, apparently, a bejeweled crown, and a letter dated 1797. That was from Pope Pius the Third. That's so. This, whoever whoever put this shit here in, in this cave has been putting it there for a long time. Um, however, in 1933, well, so this would be. Let's see. Let me go back up here. Yeah. So this was nine. So he found it in 1937. So in 1933, oop, 
Sorry. In 1933, so this would be four years sooner, uh, earlier, Congress had passed the Gold Act, which made it illegal for private citizens to own or sell gold. So he's got all this gold now, but he can't do anything with it. So Doc and his wife, uh, they loaded the treasure that they had recovered into a Wells Fargo trunk that they had also uh, retrieved from the cave and buried, they buried the trunk in the desert somewhere. Doc would also drag out several more of the gold bars, and they would bury those in different spots throughout the desert. Uh, He would go on to establish a legal claim to the majority of the land around the mountain. The only problem was the government, they would come in several years later and take, they would, you know, take up all the land around Victoria Peak, and they ended up creating the White Sands Testing Range, just where they like test missiles and different weapons so they just like buy up a shit ton of land so that nobody can go there so they can test these missiles and not have to worry about um you know killing anyone on accident uh this ultimately cut off any you know any access to the mountain by the public uh so what did doc nos find some believe he found Emperor Maximilian of Mexico, this his hidden stash. So he he supposedly hid a bunch of money and treasure and gold in the U.S. after learning of an assassination plot against him. Um, others think it could be the collected wealth of Chief Victorio, which the mountain is named after. Uh, he was an Apache warrior, an Apache chief. He fought for his people's freedom in the mid-1800s. A man who, who no doubt collected a vast amount of treasure throughout the years. So he didn't really have any use for gold himself, but he knew the white men, they loved gold. Um, and whenever, you know, like, uh, whenever they, they came, him and his, his band of, of, you know, freedom fighters of these, these natives, whenever they came across like a settler or a stagecoach or whatever of the white man, they would, uh, you know, they would attack him. I don't know. They most likely they would kill them, take their their money, everything, and I, you know, maybe they hid it in this cave. Uh, one last theory suggests that the cave found by Doc Nos um, was the Lost Pedro mine, and I, I think I think people think this because of the mine shaft that he had originally entered through was hand dug, so someone had obviously dug this shaft out into the into the mountain, and this would account for the stacks of gold bars in the back of the cave. So the, these people who who would have worked the Pedro mine, they would have got all the gold, they would have smelted it in place, and then stacked it all up. And I didn't go in on to look to see why. No one had found the Pedro mine before, but obviously it's called the Lost Pedro mine, so it was lost for some reason. Um, and then they say that Chief Victoria, he would have found this mine and put it to his own use and started putting his own treasure within the within the same mine. But uh, so that's pretty much all I got um, for stories tonight. Those are just a handful of you know, it's probably like hundreds, a hundred or hundreds of. Of these these lost treasure stories, just in the United States. That's not even in, I guess, like Oak Island. It's in Canada, but there's some really cool ones in Canada. Um, you know, there's obviously good ones in Mexico. Those are Mexico was 
It's very a lot of old stuff there. You got like Aztecs and Mayans and Incas, but you also have you know the Spanish who were in Mexico, you know uh, South America and Mexico long before the United States was settled. They were they were in. They were digging for gold in in South America. So Spain, there's a lot of lost Spanish treasure out there. Um. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, some of those are my favorite. Victoria Peak is definitely one of my favorite stories. Um, the Dutch Schultz one, I never really liked that story. Would, that's not like really fun. Guys, he was a gangster and he had some money, but I think that one might have, you know. You know, probably a lot of them were gangsters. As you know, a lot of the gangsters had a lot of money. Right. I mean, yeah, he definitely had a lot of money. And um, usually if you're a gangster, you know, other people are going to go against you, so you're going to want to hide your treasures. Yeah, I mean, there's other stories of gangsters who who hid money and stuff. Like, I forget the guy's name. He went missing. No one's ever found him. And they oh, they found, like, a vault in, like, the 80s or the, the early 90s, and they opened it up on live TV because they thought it was going to be full of gold and treasure. But it was just completely empty. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's other stories of gangsters who have hid hid treasure but I like the old, I like the ones that are old you know got like some sort of magic behind them like the uh, the Holy Grail is a fun story but I like the Victoria Peak story that's probably my favorite was it the uh, Al Capone was it his voice? no it wasn't Al Capone it was I forget his name uh, it says like you know that uh they did that on TV, and when they opened it, it was empty, except for debris. No, it wasn't Al Capone. It was someone else. I don't know. I'm not going to... I won't look it up now, but it was definitely someone else. I forget what his name was. But he, he like, disappeared. No one's ever found him, and never, you know, everyone's always wondering where he is. I mean, he's obviously dead today, but... Right. But, yeah, I mean, these are all stories that we can do full episodes on, so I didn't want to get too deep into them. Um, I just thought it'd be cool to go over some lost treasures. We're watching that National Treasure Show. I wanted to introduce some some new stories. While Bank figures out how to get us back online. Um, obviously, the crypt, the pod crypt, isn't the greatest place to record a podcast. I don't know if you can hear. There's people upstairs. Uh, um, the boiler keeps kicking on. I don't know if we're, the the mics are picking that up or not, but you know, I guess we'll find and out. Everybody's gonna miss, you know, the laughter. Oh yeah, I know. I know. I would have took us and all your guys' jokes. <laughs> the wife's not as funny. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> we'll save the jokes. Um. So yeah, I mean, I don't really have much else to talk about other than Banks trying to figure out how to get everything hooked up. I think we're going to have to be, I think he said we're going to be doing some some uh, remote episodes for a week or two um, before we can get back in the swing of things. But yeah, I mean, it's been pretty crazy. Like we had Christmas and we were off. Like I was, I think I did an episode and then I was off for a week and I did an episode and then I was off for a week. Now we got this going on. We skipped a full week. You know, we were really we were doing good there for a while. We didn't skip any episodes. 
But then last week with the computer crashing, it was just like down so, the drain. Me as a listener, I am wondering what other people want to hear you guys talk about. Yeah, I mean, we've tried to we got the Facebook going. I I need to get like an Instagram set up. Um things like that. The Facebook doesn't get a lot of traffic. You know, they can even um if they they don't want to go on Facebook, they could write on your guys's um Oh, like the review section? On the review section. It's so... Of, like iTunes. It is so hard to get people to, to fucking rate and review. Like, well, if they want to listen, all you guys got to do is uh, five-star it and write a review. I know. It's ugh, it's so hard. It's like... It sounds so dumb, but it's so important. It's ridiculously important. It, it's, it's crazy. Like, reviewing is what boosts the podcast in the podcast app. So, like, as of now, if you go to search Almost Canon, it doesn't even show up in the search bar. So, we've only got, like, four reviews. That's crazy. Come on, people, review it. But if you review it, it'll, you know, you type in Almost, and it'll right, show up Almost Canon. I noticed that since I have reviewed it, that it does pop up in my search bar now. So, once you have reviewed it or added it to your yeah, maybe listen because list, you, yeah, probably. if you add it to your listen list, it pops right up. Probably. So but, it'll be much easier for people to listen. But like if you, if we get more reviews, it'll pop up automatically within like the browsing section or uh, not. Let's see. Let me open this app really quick. Um, it always takes forever to open. Yeah. So the, yeah, the browsing section, it'll, you, you know, we get enough reviews will show up automatically within the browsing section and that's ultimately what you want because then it's so much easier for people to find you as of now or really people are only finding us through word of mouth um which you know it's kind of shitty but gotta start somewhere so we'll keep chucking at it you keep posting them reviews hopefully but yeah so so that's almost canon Thank you.